The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. I want to start off this morning just by talking about some of the things that have been going on around the world this week because we need to be able to say something about it. I want to say something about it. And I'm talking about the murder of George Floyd in America and all of the, the problems and the rioting that has come from that situation. I've been reading a lot about it and I, I realized for myself, I've been doing a lot of thinking this week. And I mean, I know some of these things are difficult to say. And you know what, when things are difficult to say, we have a tendency to say nothing. And this morning, I want to say something because something needs to be said. Black lives do matter. What has been going on is injustice and it's not fair. And we wanna see that there is justice done across every nation, across every color. We wanna see justice for all. And I have been sickened by what I have seen this week. And I've been saddened. There's this whole thing where it's uh, talked about white privilege and things like that. I, I would have never said that I'm part of white privilege because that's not how I want to act. It's not how I want to be. But I think I've realized this week, it's not about whether we want to be, it's because our skin is white that we are part of that. And it can lead us to have privileges that other people do not have. That is an injustice. It is not fair. And I hadn't realized that fully. You know, I have realized this. That sometimes it's difficult to speak out. You know, I, I use a, maybe a poor example, but just bear with me. I know that when somebody passes away, often you hear with people say that, or I don't know what to say. And there's an embarrassment because they want to be able to express grief and they want to express support, but they don't really know what words to use. And so therefore, instead of using any words, they, they often stay silent. And I think a similar situation, I've seen that in myself, a similar situation right here. There's, I'm not quite sure what to say. There's so much, you know, if I say the wrong thing, people are gonna get upset. And you get to the point where you say nothing, it's not right. It, what is happening is not fair, and therefore we have to speak out. And that's why I'm standing here this morning to say this, black lives do matter. There is such a thing where the whites have privileges. Whether we acknowledge it or not, it is there, and it's not fair. And so therefore I'm saying, listen, church, we need to pray. We need to pray into this situation. It is only in Jesus Christ that he who has created races, colors, differences, because of all the wonderful variety that they actually produce. He's the one that has caused everybody to be in existence. He is the only one who can truly bring us together. And under his hand, we can become one people. If we still remain in racism, we are sinning and that is not what we should do. And therefore we wanna make a change. So I'm just adding my voice to those of many voices that have been spoken out and to say that we are supporting this situation. We're praying in this situation. We wanna be active in this situation. So please stand with us and pray as far as that is concerned too. Let's just, uh, let's just pray. Father, we do come before you and we're asking Lord, with all of our frailty, with all of our brokenness, Father, we pray, will you please come and help us? You prayed, Jesus, when you were on earth, that we would be one 
as you and the Father are one. And we don't know how to make that happen, but we turn to you to say, Father, please, will you help us, Lord, to be open-hearted to every race, to every culture, to every person, open-hearted, Lord. Will you help us, Lord, to treat people fairly? Will you help us, Lord, to seek for justice? Will you let your kingdom come in, Lord? Will you help us as a church, Father, to walk through this, to stand tall, Lord, and to be an example where you are Lord over all sorts of different people, joining them together because of our love for you. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, having said that, let's let's come and now let's talk about the things that we have been looking at over this series. And this series we've been looking at about the church. And today's title is about individual worshippers, us being worshippers. But as I say, we're looking at this question and we have done over the last couple of weeks of what is the church. And we've raised three particular things up so far. Firstly, that the church is made up of individuals. We are individual people who have an individual faith with God, who are reaching out to God and reacting with God and learning with God ourselves. But then as individuals, we come together to form the body of Christ, which is the church. So all of these individual people come together to be one and they are made one in Jesus Christ. And then as the body of Christ, we are the body. He is the head. He gives his instructions and the body is supposed to carry out his instructions upon the earth. That is what the body is supposed to do. That is what the church is supposed to do, to be the earthly representation of God in heaven here upon the earth. And then last week, we were looking at the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that baptism of the Holy Spirit, that clothing with power, as we saw, that God is giving us a gift of his empowerment so that we, as the body, may be able to carry out the work of God here upon the earth. Now, the fact that at this time, although we, Bromley Town Church, have a building, we're not meeting in that building, that doesn't stop us being church because we are the church. And now we are in our own homes. We are separated, as it were, at the moment. But it doesn't stop us being church because where two or three are gathered together, Jesus says, there am I in the midst. And even though we're meeting through a digital platform, it is as we gather together, even this morning, that Jesus is here in the midst of us. And we pray, let his Holy Spirit come and help us. But today I want to look at various aspects, or actually one particular aspect, as I said, of the church. But before then, let me just unpack what the church was doing. There on the day of Pentecost, we saw that the Holy Spirit came and we saw that people were being set free, people were being baptised in the Holy Spirit, people came to put faith in Jesus Christ on that particular day. So that was the start. But when we see a start, how do they carry on from that point? So we're going to break in in Acts uh, 2, uh, to verses 42 to 47, and we read this of these new believers. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In that passage, we can see, or I've taken out that passage, five particular things, five aspects of church life that these early church members went about. Worship, they praised God. Prayer, 
They connected with God. They devoted themselves, it says, to prayer. And also they devoted themselves to discipleship. They devoted themselves to learning because they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they came to that place of continual learning, fellowship. They built a community amongst themselves. They were sharing and caring for each other. They were loving each other. And of course, salvation. We saw that daily people were being added to their number, those who were being saved. So they were sharing their faith and they were adding people into them. That's the life that came into this early church. And this morning, I want to look at one of those particular aspects, and that is the aspect of worship. And there's a reason that I want to pick up on this one first. Not only because it's important, it's important that we worship God, but it's important because actually at this time, one of the things that I found, especially when talking to other pastors, is that everybody is saying, oh, the one thing that we're really missing is that aspect of corporately coming together to worship together, to sing together. That aspect is missing. And you know what? It's not quite the same. You know, I'm extremely thankful to our worship team and to all the effort and the, the, the things that they've gone to, to, to film themselves at home and to be giving us the worship that we have in our service. I'm very grateful for that. But, you know, it's not quite the same as us all being in church together. We all know that. And so there's a sense of loss that we feel. It's not quite the same. But you know what? We can still worship. Listen, this is what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul writes like this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You know, true worship is the giving of ourselves to God. All that we have, all that we are, we give ourselves to God. That's what true worship is, the giving of ourselves. An example would be that of Jesus himself. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 to 7, we read this. It says, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. There's a real sense there where Jesus is saying, look, you don't want sacrifices and offerings. What you want is you want me. And you know, our true act of worship isn't just that we're singing songs. Our true act of worship is that we're presenting ourselves, Lord, here I am, ready for your service. Here I am ready to do your will. And we see that that's what Jesus did. Here I am, I'm ready to do your will. And that's exactly what we need to do too. True worship is giving ourselves to God. It's not just, as I say, the singing of songs. It's more than that. And that's what we're going to look, look into. Worship is very important. Let me read to you Romans chapter 1, verses 20 to 22. Paul writes this, For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools." Despite the fact 
that God's eternal power and his divine nature are clearly seen. I buy that when we say, look around you, look at all creation. There is a lack of worship. There's a lack of giving thanks. And that lack, the Bible says, has an effect upon our lives. It causes our thinking to become futile. That is, become ineffective. And it can darken our hearts. So, you know, worship is very important because we don't want to have futile thinking. We don't want to have darkened hearts. We want to be awakened. So in this time, if the singing of songs seems to be more restricted, then we have to learn and we have to pour ourselves into worshipping with our words, not just in the singing of songs. The psalmist says this in Psalm 9, verse 10, those who know your name will put their trust in you. There's a sense in which the more that we know about God, the more that our trust is drawn towards him, the more that we want to put our trust in him. And again, in Psalm 100, let me read the first four verses to you. Psalm 100 says this, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people the sheep of his pasture, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So notice there, the psalmist says, the first thing he says is shout for joy to the Lord. There is this opening of the mouth. There is this exclamation, this proclamation of praise to God. And then he goes on to say, worship him with gladness. And then he comes on to say, come before him with joyful songs. The psalmist is obviously encouraging us to be able to speak out our praise, not necessarily or not only in song. And this is something that we've got to learn to do. You know, sometimes we can think, well, I have just sung 10,000 reasons, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all of those things, and we're worshipping him, and it is worship, but it's not only in singing. We can also increase our worship through our words. Listen, true worship, Real adoration, real heart appreciation of God takes place when our hearts are captivated or taken up with the wonder of who he is. Going back to Psalm 100, it goes on to say, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, it's not only with song that we can do that. We can do that with our spoken words. We can lift up his name. And also with that psalm, we see there is a progression. There's a journey. It says enter his gates. So we can start with a place, but we're moving on from that place to go to a deeper place of worship with him. We need to practice actually speaking out. And you know what? When I say practice, it is that we need to practice because oh, I don't like my own voice, I'm not used to doing this. That is why we practice something so that we become much freer in it. And we wanna reflect upon the wonder of God. You need to take time. It says, be still and know that I am God in the Psalms. Being still means, hey, stop. Everything, let this come to its place. Let everything come to silence. Let me just stop now and think again of who God is, to think about what he has done. We need to reflect on the wonders of God. Worship is not just the singing of songs. And if we are not singing songs, we can still bring our worship to God. 
We need to gain focus on who he is. We need to remind ourselves of what he has done because that stirs us and gives us words to be able to bring to him. You know what? You can't worship what you don't know. And if we don't know him, it's difficult for us to worship him. But the more we know him, the more we understand about him, then the easier it is for us to give our hearts to him. Back in 1646, 1647, the Church of Scotland and the Church of England were trying to bring themselves together. And so a number of people came together, a number of theologians came together, and they wrote a catechism, uh, which is very famous. It's called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. A catechism is a a framework, is a, a list of statements so that people can understand the Christian faith more easily, if you like. And in this uh, shorter catechism, we read this. What is, we ask the question, what is the chief end of man? What is the ultimate purpose of man, if you like? And the response that it gives is this. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And that's what worship is about. It's about glorifying God. And that's what we were created for. And singing songs is one of the ways that we can do that. But in this time when we're not so able to sing songs corporately together, we need to learn to express our words and our sentiments before God. We can do that by declaring his attributes. We can declare who he is. Great and mighty are you, O God. You are awesome. You are holy. You are righteous. This is declaring who God is, declaring his attributes. We can focus our thinking upon who he is. You are creator. You are maker. You are the one who sustains the universe. You uphold all things by your powerful voice. That is what we can declare. We can focus our thinking upon who he is and we can give thanks to him for his goodness. He has rescued us from darkness. He loves us and he treats us as his children. He is our heavenly father. He provides for us day by day. He watches over us and protects us. He gives us health. He gives us breath. We need to be able to give thanks to God for all of his goodness. And of course, we want to make known the deeds that he has done. When you're reading scripture, you read of the stories of what he has done. You are the God who delivered Israel out of Egypt. You are the God who opened the waters of the Red Sea. You are the God who broke down the walls of Jericho. You are the God who protected your people. You are the God who fulfilled your promises. You are the God who still does this today. And as we read in the New Testament, it only goes on more. You sent your son to be our savior. And he came and he did signs, wonders and miracles. We can thank God for the things that he has done. You know what? We need to strip back some of the stuff in our lives. And we just need to come back to that place of being worshippers, of declaring the things that God has done, because that's what helps us. Now, in glorifying God is not only just expressing these things. This is what Peter says, 1 Peter 4, verses 10 to 11. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. As we use the gifts that we have been given, our lives also glorify God. And Paul goes on to say as well in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. We're in this lockdown situation. 
There are restrictions. There are changes, really, I think, that God is asking us to make. He's asking us to look at life differently. And one of the areas we've got to look at differently is our area of worship. We used to be able to be all together, singing together. But God wants us to worship him. And he's saying, uh, listen, if we're not worshipping him and giving thanks to him, you know what? Our minds can become futile in our thinking. Our hearts can become darkened. We don't want to be in that situation. We want to be vibrant and we want to be stirring ourselves. So therefore, we choose to give thanks and praise and honour to God in what we do. Yes, of course it's different. Of course it's different. But you know what? Different gives us an opportunity to change. And it doesn't have to affect our worship because we can still bring ourselves to God. You know, it amazes me. And some of the days that we've had recently where the sun has been shining, I go outside in the back garden and you're looking at the sunshine, you're looking at all the, the garden, you're feeling the warmth of the sun on your face, all the sunlight around. And I just automatically find, oh, this is a wonderful day. What a wonderful day. I might call out to Helen and say, this, what a lovely day we've got today. I suddenly find that all the words that are coming out of our mouth, they are words of praise. How beautiful, how wonderful, how glorious. You see, we do that automatically, almost without thinking, when we come under the beauty of what is around us. What we need to do is to start to learn to do that without thinking. Lord, I'm quieting my heart down now and I am going to declare your worship. I'm going to declare your praise. Let's use this opportunity where things are different, where we're being forced into making changes to be true worshippers of God, to give him the worship of our hearts and to allow him to change us and to help us so that we might go on. And when we eventually come back together, then our worship of song will be even better because we have learned to be worshippers ourselves in our own homes. So I want to encourage you this week. Go home, give yourself time and space and seek to speak out the word of God, to speak out the glory of God so that you might practice more and more in being a worshipper of him. May God bless you. May you have a good week and we hope to see you again next week. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.